you have a good week this week? Yeah? Well, I'm glad three of you did. So uh, I had a great week. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad you asked. So uh, <laughs> uh, are you ready for a new series? Uh, a couple couple uh, series ago, uh, it was this summer, uh, someone that had just recently started coming to the church, uh, we were at breakfast one day, and he said, oh, we're starting a new series this week. And um, <laughs> And I said, yeah. And he goes, and he said a, a bad word, and then he said, yeah. And uh, and and it was like, <laughs> all right. I love. And he might he may be here. So, um, but it, that that like explains what we want to accomplish at the church, right? Um, we want people to that like to just grow one step closer to Jesus every single week, and. I, I'm happy to report he doesn't, he doesn't talk like that anymore. Um, it is, it's, it's a joy um, to help people um, live in a way that God wants them to live. And this series that we're beginning today, um, we're, I'm calling it a non-religious Christmas. And I'm excited for it, not just because it's, it's Christmas, but because I've come to some realizations in, in my walk with Jesus that I can't wait to share with you in this, in this series. Um, this series was, was started uh, back in October. I don't know if you remember, uh, if, if some of you, you know, if you, you were here during that time. But we did a series that we called Stories of Refuge. And in our Stories of Refuge series, we, we shared three stories of people that had come to the church and had their lives changed by Jesus. And um, whether it was in the, within the last six years that we've been a church or within the last six months. And um, it's, it's just been so amazing to see God move in the lives of people. And this series was born at a coffee with, with someone that told their story during that uh, during that series, uh, his name's Jameson, and uh, he told his story. And while I was at coffee with him, I said something, and um, just in conversation, talking about God's word, and and we both kind of took it like a, not a step back because we were sitting down, but like we both kind of leaned back and go, "Whoa, that was uh, that was that was pretty good." And he looked at me, and goes, "You better write that down." So I wrote it down, and I was like, I'm going to put that one in, in, the, um, in the memory bank for a, a series. And, um, and I started praying about it, and, and I just felt like God kind of said, this topic is so important. I want you to, to do it at Christmas time. And I was like, but God, um, it's not a Christmas series. And he just kind of whispered to my spirit, it's that important. And so we realized that, um, that Christmas time is a, is a season where people start to come back to church. People start to come to church. Maybe some of you have, are starting to come back to church. Maybe you left the church during the, the pandemic. And I, I believe that a lot of people have left the church and a lot of people have chosen not to believe in God at all because of what I'm about to share with you. 
And today, and, and so, so then the, the question for you is, do you want to know what I wrote down, what I said at coffee? And what I, what I said that kind of took us both back was Satan has used religion more than anything more than anything in the world to tear apart God's kingdom. Satan has used religion more than anything to tear apart God's kingdom. And what I am convicted of today is that people choose not to believe in a God that loves them and cares for them based completely on an idea of God that isn't even real. People choose not to believe in God based on their version of who God is. Based on the version of God that they believe that the church projects. And that is why it is so important that the church gets it right. Because the world is watching. And so maybe you've been visiting and maybe you come in and you go, man, there's just something different about the refuge. And I hope it's not that we have great music or I hope that it's not that I am an amazing communicator. I hope that it's not anything other than the fact that we get it right, that we present a clear picture of who Jesus is. Because the church is called the body of Christ. And because it's the body of Christ, the church is the physical representation of who Jesus is to this world. And if the church can't, pick, can't give an accurate, accurate picture of who Jesus is, that, he is the fi- that we're the physical representation of him. Jesus is, is in heaven. He's alive. I said Jesus is alive. He's alive, but he's not in this world physically. He left the church to be him physically. So important for us to get this right. And so I was praying about this, and I thought, man, it's, it's just not a Christmas message. And I started thinking, and I thought, you know, <laughs> There's no better time than Christmas than to talk about who God really is. Because Christmas is the celebration of God introducing himself to the world in human form. And so Christmas is the perfect time to talk about who God really is. And so what does this series look like? It's going to be three weeks leading up to our Christmas experience on the 24th. And on the 24th, we're going to talk about the identity that Jesus came to give us. But this morning, we begin by talking about why Jesus came, why Jesus came to earth. Next week, we're going to talk about keeping Christ in Christmas. 
and th- this week, or and then the last week, we're going to talk about acknowledging the meaning of Christmas in non-religious ways. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. It's not the Christmas story. The Christmas story is predominantly found in Luke chapter two. This morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. It's not the Christmas story, but it is Jesus preaching. It's such an important verse that he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Before we read it, I want to ask him to use it to speak to us. Let's do that. God, um, I thank you that your word is alive. It's active. It's quicker than any two-edged sword, and it pierces our soul and spirit, dividing us. Father, I pray that you would please speak to us through your word, Lord, that your word would be louder than mine, that you would get our attention, get our focus, so that we would be able to hear from you, and that we would be better believers in Jesus, better followers of Jesus, better listeners, better disciples, and that we would go into all the world and preach the gospel, bringing other people to you, because that is the best form of worship. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew 5, 17. You can read on the screens or follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, if you want to follow along in the YouVersion app, all of today's notes are available right there. So, Matthew 5, 17 says, don't misunderstand why I have come. Again, this is Jesus speaking. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Numerous other translations use the word to fulfill the law. To fulfill the law. And of course, that brings me to today's big idea. If I had one point for this message, one thing that I want you to receive today, it would be this idea that Jesus came into the world to fulfill the law, not force us to obey it. Jesus came into the world not to force us to obey the law, but to accomplish its purposes, to fulfill the law. Now, we're going to unpack this this morning. So I realize some of you guys are like, whoa, this is a different kind of message. I thought we were supposed to do what God asked us to do. We are. But God doesn't want to force us to obey the law. He wants the law to become, not, not the law to become a part of who we are, but he wants us to become who Jesus is. We're going to unpack this this morning. Um, So many people think today that God wants to force us to obey. To obey rules, to obey the law. But that's not why Jesus came at all. He came to make the law complete. And if the law is complete, you ready for this? It can't be held over our heads any longer. If it's complete. And so we're going to dig into this. This morning, so I hope you brought your shovels. Did you bring your shovels? Look at your neighbor and say, I brought mine. Did you bring yours, right? Jesus didn't come, I've said this the last couple of weeks, Jesus didn't come 
to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. In fact, maybe some of you are here this morning and you think you're defeated in some area. You think you lost. You think game over. I want you to know, uh uh-uh. God is the God of the comeback. He proved that to us. When he came back from the dead, he resurrected. We believe in a resurrected Jesus. But yet we carry around crosses like he's still dead. He came not to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. And so Matthew 5, 17, Jesus uses a word that's very, very important for us to think about. And it's the word that is translated in the version we use that is accomplish. But other translations use the word fulfill. So what does it mean that Jesus came to fulfill the law, to accomplish the law? What exactly does that even mean? And I think that oftentimes we get the law idea and the law mentality because we don't understand what it means to complete the law. Hopefully this morning we'll leave today with a better understanding of what it means to complete the law. In order to understand it, I told you we have to dig. So we have to go back to the original language that's written here. The original language that Jesus, that, that is used in, in Matthew that he's writing is in Greek. And so the word is the word plero, and I, I said that completely wrong, so don't go quoting the, the Greek pronunciation. You didn't come here for Greek pronunciation. You came here for Greek meaning. And so I'm going to give you the meaning of that word. And it means to make full, right? However, if you go further, it means to make complete in every particular, everything about it, to render perfect, to carry through to the end, to accomplish. It means to to undertake to some undertaking, to take upon himself. Jesus took upon the law to complete it. And if you think about it in those terms, he took upon the law upon himself to make us crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who lives, but Christ that lives inside of me. And so if Christ is alive inside of me, we can't just ignore the law any longer. But it's not that we obey it because we're forced to. We obey it because we are just like Jesus. And so the question this morning we're asking, why did Jesus come to earth? The first point one in answering this question Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to make complete. He completes it. And because he completes it, it can no longer be held over our heads. You didn't or you did. In the Christmas story, I find it interesting that When you read Luke chapter 2 in English, it uses the word required by the law at least four times. And so what it's saying is that Mary and Joseph did this because it was required 
by the law because it was required by the law because it was required by the law. Jesus still observed the law. It doesn't mean that we get to go and do whatever we want to. It just means that he completes it. So here's what I want you to hear this morning. Completion of the law doesn't mean deletion of the law. Completion doesn't mean deletion. It doesn't mean that it disappears. But it means that we get to become who Jesus is and obey it the way that he did. Not to hold it over people and not to hold it over ourselves. Jesus never once said to the, to the disciples, whoa, you're not obeying the Sabbath. No, in fact, that was the Pharisees that came to Jesus and said, whoa, you're not obeying the Sabbath. But Jesus never once held the law over people. Instead, he obeyed it himself. He observed the Sabbath, but he didn't lord it over people. Completion doesn't mean deletion. In order to understand this, we have to understand why the law is here in the first place. The Apostle Paul did an amazing job of explaining the difference between law and grace. The first place that I see it that he writes is in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, listen to this or read along with us. Galatians 3, 23 through 26. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protect, protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. I'm reading in the New Living Translation, so it's a little easier to understand in some translations. Verse 24. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. It was our protection. It had to protect us. Until Jesus came so that we could have the faith to, to be saved. Verse 26, 25. And now the way of faith has come. We no longer need the law, law as our guardian. It, never, it, it doesn't have to be over us any longer. For we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Because we now have faith, we no longer have the law as our guardian. It doesn't protect us any longer. Jesus protects us. And what that means is that when the law is broken, because we are protected by Jesus, we're able to be forgiven. We're able to be forgiven. So why did Jesus come? Number two, Jesus came to give us what we really need. Jesus came to give us what we really need. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 through 23 says, you have died in Christ, and he has set you free from spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of this world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Listen, these are all parts of the law of Moses. They're part of the, what's, what was called the Levitical law, right? They're part of the law of the Old Testament. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. They were a part of the law. But what does he say in verse 20? Uh, 20? He says, 
why do you obey the, follow the rules of the law or rules of this world? What happens with law is man twists the law to manipulate people. And when we twist the law to manipulate people, we follow people and not Jesus. We follow people and not the law. So he keeps saying, verse 22, such rules were mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as, as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. The law will make you better. But watch what happens. But the, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. In fact, let me say it this way. It's telling people that you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, that doesn't help you not do that. In fact, it, I think it probably encourages some people to do it. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire. The law throws gasoline on the fire to do wrong. What is the only thing that helps us obey the law and helps us to not obey our evil desires? You know what it is? The Bible teaches us. G-R-A-C-E. Grace. It's when you realize that if I disobey the law, if I disobey what, what I don't think I should do, what, if, I, if, if, if I don't do what I think God wants me to do, I'll be forgiven for it. That doesn't give us, Paul goes on and he says, that doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want. It doesn't mean that you do whatever you want. It means that you don't want to do it because you don't, because you realize how good it is. If people understood the goodness of God, they wouldn't be able to deny him. But he comes to give us what we really need, not what we want. It's like the homeless kid that sits outside our church every day. Every day he sits outside our church and he charges his cell phone. His name's Dakota. We know him, and we love him. Many of you have seen him. I've gotten emails about him. And um, Dakota hitchhiked from the state of Oregon, or Oregon, however you say that. The other Portland, how's that? He hitchhiked from there. He's 24 years old, and um, I asked him why, and he said, well, I wanted to get away from my family, and uh, he's here, doesn't have a place to live, doesn't, um, he's homeless, and um, I've spent a lot of time caring about Dakota, probably too much time at times, and um, I've, I've had conversations with some of you him and trying to figure out what the best thing is for him. We know that winter is coming. We know that snow is on its way. Sorry. Some of you guys are like, yes, when's it going to snow? Um, but I got to admit, 
there's a part of me that's like, I hope it doesn't snow anytime soon because that kid is living on the ground, sleeping on the ground. And um, we've done everything we can to care for him. We've literally provided shelter, food, and clothing for the kid. And um, I love him. Because I just think about my own kids, and if if he were if, if they were thousands of miles away, regardless of why they were there, regardless of of what our relationship was like, I would at least know that my son is out there, and I would be scared to death. This last week, um, I went and bought. Dakota cell phone, a new cell phone, uh, because uh, he had lost or destroyed his other one, and, and we, we bought him a, a track phone that we can add minutes to, or that he can add minutes to, and, and, um, <laughs> and now I wish I didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. He's got my cell phone number. He texts me, he, he, and, and, and he just lets me know how he's doing, and I check up on him. Why are you telling us this story? pastor it's because i teach dakota a couple things number one i teach him that it's not my job to prove to him that god is real it's my job to share with him and show him the love of god god has to do the rest but i also tell him dakota i could i could Rent an apartment for you, for crying out loud. I could, I could do anything. I could do something that you, that you want. But I don't want to give you what you want. I want to give you what you need. There was a time that he had texted me and said, hey, could you get me a bus ticket to Kansas City to be with my cousin? <laughs> and then it was a bus ticket to North Carolina. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute. Before I go out and buy you a bus ticket, I need to know who you are. This is, this is like early on. And I don't know who you are. I don't know what you need. I want to know what you need so that I can give you what you really need, not what you want. Because that's how God works in our lives. He always gives us what we need more than what we want. God, just please take this suffering away from me. But it's making you better. It's making you stronger. It's helping you rely on me. And why in the world would I take away the very thing that sends you to your knees? I just want time with you. Because you really need me. He always gives us what we need, and what we need is to overcome our sinful desires, and the law can never do that. Why did Jesus come to earth? Number three, he came to save us from our sins. Jesus came to save us from our sins. The very thing that separated us from God, he came to, to save us from. 
But oftentimes we think that we have to obey the law because obeying the law keeps us from our sins. No, no, no. Grace keeps us from our sins. The blood of Jesus keeps us from our sins. Let me show you in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18, 8 through 14. I love how the writer of Hebrews puts it. He says, first Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other, other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. The writer of Hebrews is saying, God didn't want sacrifice, but it's what the law required. Verse 9, then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Time out. He wants us to be what? Holy. He wants us to be holy, and how do we accomplish that? Through the sacrifice, the bodily sacrifice of Jesus. Not by obeying the law. The law doesn't keep us separated. Jesus does. The sacrifice that Jesus does. Peter writes and he says, be holy because I am holy. He doesn't say, follow the law because I am holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. Verse 10, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus. I've read that already once and for all. Verse 11, under the old covenant. The priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until the enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Listen, that's the greatest news of all time. That by one sacrifice, we are forgiven by our sins. The number one reason Jesus came to this earth was to die for our sins. Paul says in Corinthians, he said, Christ died for our sins. That's why he died. He died for our sins. But I want you to know that this morning when he died for our sins, he completed the law. Sin separated us from our father. Jesus had to eliminate sin that separated us from our Father so that now we can come back to our Father that we were supposed to be with the entire time. One of the results of Jesus getting rid of our sin is once he got rid of our sin, he completed the law. In fact, I would go as far as to say that he couldn't have completed the law, that the law couldn't have continued to be incomplete and our sins not be forgiven. 
Because our sins are forgiven, the law is complete, and it makes complete sense to me. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the law continue and have forgiveness of sin in your life. You can't. So why in the world do we continue to believe in the law more than the grace? You can't have either or. It has to be both. Jesus couldn't get rid of our sin while keeping the law incomplete. Why did Jesus come to the earth? My last point, number four. Jesus came so that we too can fulfill the law through love. Jesus came so that we too can fulfill the law through love. I've got great news for you, believer. The great news is that you can complete the law today. And it has nothing to do with you saying to do what it says you should do. It has everything to do with loving your neighbor. Let me show you in scripture. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 10. Owe nothing to anyone. I love how he, how he says that. He begins, owe nothing to anyone. You don't owe anybody nothing. Not, not, because, not because I said it, because God said it. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If your love, if, if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the, the requirements of God's law. How do we fulfill the law? By loving each other. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of the law. That love, that, that, that original language law, love, it's, it's, not, it's not love the way that, <laughs> this is one of my favorite illustrations. I love pizza. I love pizza. Like we fucking love pizza. But I don't love my wife like I love pizza. I don't love my kids like I love pizza. I don't love you the same way that I love pizza. And thank God Jesus doesn't love us the way that we love pizza. He also doesn't love us the way that I love Tanya. English gets things so messed up. I actually saw a video this morning as I was scrolling, trying to wake up. Anybody else scroll to try to wake up? I scroll sometimes. It was, it was this guy that was like, how do you say T-O-U-R? And he's like, tour. And it goes, how do you say S-O-U-R? And he's like, sewer. No. Sour, right? So, like, English is messed up. That's, that's my point. 
in the original language for love, there's the word, the word um, eros, right, which is, which is an erotic love. There's also um, the word phileo, which is where we get the word Philadelphia, which means the city of brotherly love. And so phileo love is brotherly love. Eros love is erotic love. But then there's this love called agape love. And agape love is the only love, is the only way, the, the only type of love that God has for us. Self-sacrificing love. Love that God has for us. The love that Jesus died to give us. Guess what, which version of, of love is, is written in Romans chapter 13? It's not, it's not agape love, and it's definitely not pizza love. It's agape love. Meaning self-sacrificing love. And so, you want to know what type of love fulfills the law. It's the love that self-sacrifices. The love that gets ourselves out of the way. The love that points people to Jesus. Love that makes us better because of Jesus, not because of us. It's only because of Jesus that we can fulfill the law because he's already done it by showing us what love is. Why did Jesus come? To fulfill the law, to give us what we really need, to save us from our sins and to give us the ability to fill the law by loving others. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. You can bow your heads and close your eyes if you want to. Truth of the matter is, is we don't deserve that love. And so when I work with Dakota, my... My goal in showing him God's love for him is to show him love that he doesn't deserve. Do you know, on the day that I went and bought him his cell phone, he had cussed me out that morning. He had cussed me up and down. I haven't heard the F-bomb that many times in a long time. I'm afraid he's going to catch on and be like, if I cuss him out more, then he'll do more things for me. But isn't that how we treat God sometimes? Ouch. We, we treat God like he's just going to love us more if we just do more wrong. You know what? You know what amazes me about God? Is that he would. He would still love us more and more and more, the more distant. And, 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 and if you don't believe me, look at the Old Testament and look at the way the children of Israel just always just turned their back on God, just continued to worship idols that weren't, weren't, like, that was the first commandment, to have no other gods before me. And, and they would break that all the time. 
God still loved them so much that he gave his son Jesus to die in their place. This is the good news. Completion of the law doesn't mean deletion of the law. It doesn't mean we get to live however we want to. But it means when we do wrong, we are forgiven. And the only way it's possible is by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can be saved. So every week we come to this moment, and it can be summed up in one question. What is your step? What's your step? Every week, one step closer to God. There are people that are in this room that have been Christians, that have been believers for years and years and years. There are some of you that are just new to it. There are others that have never believed at all. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Our goal is one step closer to Jesus. So what is your step today? What's your step? We believe in sacred moments. And so we're going to sing a song in just a moment. And we, we also believe that the altar is still alive. That the altar of, this, of coming forward and laying something at the altar, even though God doesn't want our sacrifice, he's not, he, it's not about sacrifice. It's about belief. It's about faith. But there's something about the symbol of the altar that we can come and we can lay something down and we can say, God, I am leaving it here for you to take care of. And so we still believe that the altar is real. But if you're here with a burden, we want, we want to pray with you today. We want to help you take that step. My friends, Dave is to my right, your left. My friend Linda is to my left, your right. Come and pray with them. Come to the altar and someone will come and pray with you. But the most important step is the one that calls on Jesus. And that's why it's the one step that I want to help the entire room with. Because some of you are here and you've never taken that step. Putting your faith in Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've never taken that step, would you do me a favor? Everyone's head bowed. Every head and eyes are closed. This is a sacred moment. Would you just, as boldly as you could, would you just put your hand in the air and leave it there just for a second so I can see it? Pastor Adam, I've never given my heart to follow Jesus. So this week, our job is to choose grace more than the law. Father in heaven, we come to you today. And Lord, I pray that this word wouldn't fall on deaf ears, but it would fall on ears. Inspiring us to have grace, to love others so that we can fulfill the law the way that Jesus did. We can complete it. Not 
forcing people to obey, but fulfilling the law by loving. God, we love you so much. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the birth of Jesus because without the birth of Jesus, we don't have the death of Jesus. And without the death of Jesus, we don't have the resurrection of Jesus that gives us life. Thank you for coming to make dead people alive. We worship you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing together.